Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program here during the Christmas season, as at least when we're recording this, for those of you listening and uh, those of you catching up at other times of the year. So happy holidays to all of you, whether they're going to be in a few days for you or <laughs> in a few months, depending on when you catch hold of this. I have no apprehension in wishing our listeners a Merry Christmas. That's uh, I believe that our new uh, president-elect is uh, making it known that that's going to be okay to uh, use that greeting now. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, at least I'm not sure about him, I, you know, in terms of where he's at with faith, but his vice president certainly is uh, uh, quite the Christian. And uh, But anybody who's open to, uh, you know, actually using uh, what the season is truly all about, uh, we can certainly support that. That's right. Well, Mark, here we find ourselves in the middle of this study of the Nehemiah Principles, And we have uh, worked our way up to Nehemiah Principle 6, which says, In the face of overwhelming damage and discouragement, rebuilding may simply be a matter of just getting started. That is right. So, uh, by the way, I think we should mention again that just because I think people come in and out of these at uh, different points and... uh, for those that might be new to this series, we are we are looking at the extended version of my accountability teaching uh, based on the book of Nehemiah that I first published in the uh, Life Guide from uh, our friends down in uh, Orlando, Florida, Life Ministries International. At the end of that workbook, uh, I go through the first six chapters of the book of Nehemiah and talk about 18 principles of uh, accountability, and we've been encouraged to do that by... Uh, one of the life groups there in uh, Orlando, who has been using these principles, and uh, so we're we're happy to be able to do it. Um, the shorter form of it is the seven principles. That's actually a book, as I think a, uh, a lot of people know. And um, I'm noticing again today that uh, by dumbing it down to seven principles, we uh, have missed some of the good things that are um, in the 18 principles. It's like studying the four commandments. The four <laughs> commandments. Yeah. Okay. You know, you really just can't, you you can't pick and choose which commandments to follow, Mark. There's 10 of them, you know, so. People do that, Randy. I know, I know they they do. That's kind of my point, but. uh, A lot of people ignore the seventh, I know that, at least the ones that come here. (laughs) That you've run run into here. (laughs) Okay, we shouldn't laugh about that, really, but uh, anyway, uh, so. Where we are in this is that uh, we're in chapter 2 still, and uh, Nehemiah uh, has finally been able to talk to the king, really at the king's initiation, and the king has uh, become aware of his sadness about the condition of the city of Jerusalem and uh, has allowed Nehemiah to uh, go back to Jerusalem. And as we talked about last week, uh, the king was wise enough to know that Nehemiah wasn't going to make this journey by himself, and so sent the army officers and the cavalry with him so that he was able to arrive in Jerusalem safely. And uh, when he gets back, uh, what's interesting to me is he doesn't uh, come in with great pomp and circumstance. He doesn't uh, really announce uh, much of anything that he's there. In fact, uh, what he does first is he begins to uh, survey the damage 
if you look at uh, chapter 2, for those of you that like to follow along in your Bibles, this uh, principle really starts with verse 11 of the second chapter. And I find it fascinating that what Nehemiah does is he gathers a couple of guys and they, they don't go out in daylight and examine the damage. They, uh, they go out at night. And uh, when I heard that for the first time, it made me think of the very early days of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it used to be the case that they would, they would uh, predicate the, the starting times of their meetings, the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, based on sunset. So like right now in Minnesota, we're, we're almost up to uh, December 21st, the, the shortest day of the year for any of us wherever we're, we're at in the country. But here in Minnesota... It basically is going to be getting dark at about 4.45. So that, that frees up the whole evening. It's going to be dark. But uh, in the summer here, it's not going to get dark till 10 o'clock. And, you know, the truth of it is, is that uh, in that case, they wouldn't have started the AA meetings till after 10 p.m. Uh, now, the reason they did that is because they were ashamed. They were uh, afraid of being seen. They were afraid of being uh, labeled alcoholics and stigmatized and so forth. So it just points to the fact that... Uh, uh, in our population of addicts, there's a, a general level of shame. And uh, Nehemiah is going to point out this shame here in a little bit to the people. But the truth of it is, is that uh, for a city to have gone uh, for 140 years without a wall uh, was a huge sign of disgrace. And uh, we're also going to learn here in a little bit that the enemies of this project are still very much aware of what he's doing. So there's probably an element of secrecy here that he is surveying the damage and uh, trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, and what his next step is, uh, as you uh, describe it in the book, I love the analogy that you used because not only does he take some in and go out to survey the, the situation of the city in the dark, but you said, you know, that's that must have been much like looking at Ground Zero at the World Trade Center following 9-11 to try and... Uh, surmise the damage in the dark had to have been more than challenging. Well, I think so. And uh, uh, I, I was in New York City uh, shortly after 911 uh, to do a speech. And uh, yeah, I, it's also reminding me, by the way, now that I'm talking about it, that uh, we took a trip to Europe in 1962 uh, with my family. I was 12 years old, but as we traveled to uh, Germany and throughout Germany. They had started rebuilding, but they had not completed a whole lot at that point in time. It was 17 years after the end of the war, and everywhere you looked, there were still lots of bombed-out buildings. I mean, our B-17s and B-24s did quite a number on uh, a lot of German cities, and uh, the Germans were very proudly rebuilding things, but uh, there was there was a lot of devastation, and right after the war, I think if you had visited like Berlin, for example, uh, it must have looked a lot like this, uh, just rubble, rubble everywhere. And uh, again, Nehemiah is doing this secretly, and uh, uh, he's not really even announcing himself yet. Uh, so there's there's just a lot of uh, depression, I think, about this, and uh, where I think this uh, connects to. Uh, our population of people and our listeners is that a lot of times when you are called to the the healing journey, when you are uh, making a decision to repent, uh, to go back home, which means to go back to uh, true devotion and obedience to God, 
uh, and you stop acting out, then you're not medicating yourself anymore. And what becomes readily or rapidly available to you is um, the devastation that you've caused in your life, uh, whether it's to your marriage, to your your job, to your family, uh, to just to yourself personally. So part of this principle is uh, when you uh, wind up in the early days, weeks, and months of your recovery, surveying the damage, I think it's it's very easy to be discouraged. And this is a time when all of us who do that are going to need lots and lots of support that, you know, God is still on his throne and capable of doing great and mighty things. And uh, rebuilding is uh, certainly possible. And uh, we're all going to have to go through this phase of what is, in fact, I think, a lot of grieving about uh, the damage that we've done. And yet, how do you overcome? I mean, I, I know that the grieving is a necessary step in the process. Yeah. Um, but that being understood, what I got from this uh, chapter uh, after reading what you had written is it would be easy to be swallowed up by right. by the frustration, the guilt, right. and the devastation that, that a person feels about the shambles that their life is in. But the encouragement comes from the fact that um, it sometimes rebuilding is simply a matter of getting started. That's right. And uh, that's definitely a recovery principle that uh, when you're very discouraged or when you're depressed even and uh, incredibly in touch with your shame, just do the next right thing. There again is a an Alcoholics Anonymous statement or one of their slogans, do the next right thing. Just show up to a meeting. Just keep a counseling appointment. Uh, go to your uh, counseling group. Do your daily reading. Whatever it is that you need to do today, get up, get out of bed, uh, and do what you need to do uh, one day at a time to work the program. So in a way, we're normalizing the fact that in the early months of recovery, even though now finally we've made the right decisions, we're finally getting sober, there may be a period of time uh, that we go through that is incredibly discouraging because of all the damage. And yet what you say here in the book, uh, that makes a lot of sense. As much as it may feel a little bit like a cliche because we hear it so often, but the but the AA phrase, one day at a time... One day at a time. ...is really certainly... It certainly applies to that situation. That's right. Let's not look at the enormity of the project, how long it's going to take... Uh, uh, let's just start stacking bricks, you know, in this case with Nehemiah. We'll get to that after the break, I think. And uh, and whatever it is that we're called to do, let's just do it one day at a time. What is our task today? And uh, I was just thinking, you know, as you know, nobody else would know, I was late getting down here because I was trying to schedule some medical appointments. And when I look at the, the rest of my life and uh, all the things that I have to manage, that can be a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, today I just... You know, one of my tasks today was to schedule my next appointments with my doctor. And uh, we had one today, by the way, for those of you listening and praying. It was quite uh, an exceptional report that, you know, I'm doing very well. The cancer is uh, totally under control right now. So we're feeling very great about that. And today was still a day that uh, I'm still managing it one day at a time. Right. But look at the good news that arrived today yes. as well. That's you know, right. That's right. Let's take our break. Speaking of good news, let's take our break right now. Yeah. It'll be rather brief. Uh, and when we come back, we have got a, uh, a trigger of the week for our listeners, and we'll continue our conversation here about Nehemiah Principle 6. You are listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Sing, God,
Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. I will confess, this one makes me uh, particularly angry. Not so much because I experience it as a trigger, but I am incredibly incensed by how invasive some of these triggers are. And what I'm talking about is during this season of basketball games and football games, it seems to me amazingly prevalent that Victoria's Secret is advertising some kind of holiday well they had a special, special a prime the, time tv special you know that they referred to as a quote unquote fashion show and as you can well imagine it had probably very little to do with fashion and a lot more to do with exhibitionism so well i think it had a lot more to do with fashion than it had to do with flesh and uh exhibitionism would be a good term for it and what is maddening about it is that you know, okay, if you know this show is going to be on and you're in recovery or you're not in recovery, you're just a Christian and uh, you want to avoid any of this nonsense, you know, you don't have to watch the show. But what they're going to show you is little snippets from the show uh, during the commercial. Um, in our case, thanks thanks be to God for DVRs because, you know, we never watch anything live anymore, it seems like. We're always at least 20, 30 minutes behind and, uh, you know, we can fa- uh, fast forward through that. But when I think about the increasing number of calls that we're getting about uh, young people getting involved with uh, pornography and so forth. Uh, and I know that some of these you know, young people, kids, teenagers are sitting around the TV watching these games, uh, and all of a sudden this stuff flashes on. Uh, what kind of sexual arousal is it going to trigger, and then what are these uh, young people going to do to maybe investigate that further? And you can go easily enough to the Victoria's Secret site and see you know, all the the stuff you want to see. So uh, do I sound a little bit more angry about this? You one? do, you do. And there's an energy to your message here today that's quite credible. And yet at the same time, I'm sure that if we were to question the uh, decision makers at Victoria's Secret, uh, they're going to say, uh, tis the season for us to be uh, planting seeds of gift ideas mm-hmm. for the married men for their wives. Uh, you know, like like no, we're simply promoting our our new 2016 2017 product line. They're going to paint that that uh, product promotional side right. of it rather than really understanding which they do. They understand what they're doing. Well, you know, uh, 
as the uh, great sex educator Dr. Ruth would say, uh, why do I bring her up? Uh, Haven't thought of Dr. Ruth in many years. Well, that's probably a good thing. But uh, uh, she was uh, uh, known for saying lots of things. One of the things she says is that a man who buys uh, a negligee for his wife is really buying it for himself. So uh, it's a selfish thing to do. And uh, there again, you can hear my kind of uh, disgust with this whole thing. But uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, I think all of us Christians, who you know, we're called to, to not be conformed to the ways of the world. And this is one of the ways of the world to which we need to uh, not conform, ignore, and uh, move past. So by the way, I don't know, sometimes when we do these shows, you know, memories come uh, in flooding back, flooding back into my brain. And uh, uh, when I was out in California uh, working at a hospital there, uh, the treatment center out there, and I would be out there one week out of every month, uh, they, had, they had eating disorder programs. And uh, I was there because of the sex addiction program, obviously. But one day, the, the woman who led the eating disorder group had been uh, sick, and uh, I was asked to lead the, the eating disorders uh, counseling group that day. And uh, that uh, was normally a group of women, uh, which would uh, most of the time be a boundary to me. Uh, but I was kind of fascinated by this. And of course, I took with me into that room a, a nurse who uh, was uh, there to uh, you know, keep things uh, you know, under control or appropriate. Uh, and, uh, but what, what uh, God taught me in that is that so many, all the women in there, this is the part of the story that I wanted to get to. Every woman in that eating disorder group that day had been on the cover of a national magazine. So these are some women, like in the Victoria's Secret ads, that when we look at them on TV, we look at them in the magazines, you know, they look like the most beautiful women in the world. But sitting there in this group looking at these women, I was impressed by how basically ordinary they looked without the airbrushing, without the makeup, without the fancy costumes. But more importantly, I was impressed by how miserable their lives were, that they were so objectified sexually by you know millions of men and, and, and be confident of the fact that they resented it. They, uh, and one of the ways they were coping um, in their, their effort to uh, maintain their status doing this is that, that a lot of them were starving themselves and you know therefore had an eating disorder. So what I'm saying is that a lot of what we look at, make sure we understand, it's not reality, it's not the truth, it's not who these women really are. These are human beings. They do have feelings. And in a way, we're doing them a disservice by looking at them. Well, I didn't know that I was going to... This is, I think, the longest trigger of the week that we've had, Randy. Well, uh, you were on a roll and I wasn't about to... Uh, uh, interrupt. Well, okay, enough for that. We need to get back to Nehemiah. Let's do that. And uh, what we learn, of course, after Nehemiah surveys the damage and it's discouraging, is that the enemy, of course, becomes aware of the fact that he's doing this. Uh, uh, and uh, they start uh, teasing Nehemiah. They, they don't think Nehemiah is going to be successful. I mean, they've been defeating these efforts for 140 years. And uh, so in the start, they, they just think that they're going to get to him by uh, teasing him and ridiculing him. And uh, basically, uh, Nehemiah says in verse 20, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we the servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim to Jerusalem. That statement is, is a great statement 
you have no right or portion. Uh, we're, we're talking now to Satan. We're now not talking to Geshem the Arab here, who's mentioned in verse 20. But, you know, we're talking to Satan himself, and it said, you have no right, you have no portion, you have no part of me, uh, and we're going to rebuild, and we're going to heal, and uh, we're going to return our ways to the Lord, and, uh, you know, get out of this picture. That's basically what Nehemiah says. He's standing up to the face of darkness. Well, and as daunting as that task of rebuilding the city was, Nehemiah did a, re- a brilliant thing, yeah. and that was that he divided the work into small segments, yeah. and various groups accepted their responsibility for their part of the job. Well, that's right, and that's a leadership principle. Nehemiah is finally now emerging as a leader, uh, and uh, it's you know it's an age-old leadership principle. If you've got a a large uh, project like this, which it incredibly was, uh, divided into smaller parts, and that that next week when we get to chapter three, uh, we're actually going to confront a list of uh, how the work was divided up. And yes, uh, any of us it. You know, you could look at this one day at a time, one piece of the wall at a time, one section of the wall at a time. Uh, you know, let's not get overly concerned with the massive project it is. Let's just, you know, look at what's in front of us and, and, and stack on top of each other one more brick or one more stone. What I uh, was interested in when, uh, uh, again, I, I first got back to the study of uh, some of this, um, transitioning from what Nehemiah must have uh, seen in terms of the def- uh, uh, devastation. He he knew that the people, you know, what where what was preventing them from um, rebuilding the city for all of these years, and, and I think he had to know it was their shame. It, uh, in those days, again, for a city not to have a wall, that was the height of weakness. That was the height of uh, degradation. Uh, and what Nehemiah does to motivate the people is not a. Uh, a Newt Rockney type of speech. It's and we can do this. You know, let's stand together. You know, all of that. Basically, uh, what he says as he starts his invitation uh, to the people is, "Do you not see the trouble we're in?" Sometimes this is translated, "Do you not seem see the disgrace that we are in?" And uh, what I like to point out uh, today to our listeners, we talk all the time here about shame and. Uh, we know that if we truly believe that we are bad and worthless people, that God hates us and God sent his only son to die for everyone else except for us, I mean, that's that's uh, unhealthy shame. But in this situation, Nehemiah is a, is appealing to um, a sense of shame that, that I actually think is healthy. In other words, this destruction is the result of uh, not being truly obedient to God. That is why God allowed the enemies of Jerusalem to come in and take over the city. So uh, he's appealing to the idea that uh, if we, in fact, uh, return to God, return to his ways, get obedient to him, uh, if our shame directs us that way, if our shame directs us back to total dependence on God, then I would call that healthy shame. Uh, And as long as we know that uh, if we direct our attention and our devotion back to God, God is like the prodigal father. I mean, he's going to rush out to meet us. And like we'll see in our story over and over again, he's going to continue to help us. And this same principle you use when teaching the men, uh, you know, the community of men that come to us here. Right. Build your program uh, one day at a time. Exactly. Build your program 
uh, one uh, meeting at a time, one counseling session at a time, one conversation at a time. Uh, you know, divide it up. Uh, you know, if you look at the rest of your life, uh, it could be a daunting idea to stay sober for the next 50 years, but uh, let's think about staying sober today. Yeah, when we simply start building and focus on the immediate task at hand, we ultimately will reach our goal. Well, the next thing we know is uh, that we'll have 30 days of sobriety and then 60. And then uh, one of the men in the group last week surprised himself, said, I, I didn't even realize this was coming on this fast, but you know, uh, I just realized I have a year of sobriety. And you know, I know this guy, and this guy was looking at it one day at a time. And then all of a sudden he woke up and said, oh, I've got a year. And uh, uh, so all of you listening, uh, one of the questions to ask yourself, I think, is uh, what is the right thing uh, you need to do today uh, in order to build your life uh, in a better direction, to build your life into greater dependence on God, to greater relationships, to greater understanding of yourself? Uh, what are the no's you need to say today in order to remain a man of sobriety? What are the yeses you need to say today in order to build sobriety? You know, let's think about it uh, like I talked about several times in this kind of chapter, one brick at a time. And let's get started. Let's just get busy. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. My name is Randy Everett, your co-host, and it's our pleasure to bring you uh, the Men of Valor program. We hope that today's message has been beneficial to you. We hope that as we uh, approach the Christmas season, now we'll still have one more show before uh, Christmas arrives, uh, so we hope that you're enjoying this uh, this season uh, with your family. We hope that the coming week will be a week that's filled uh, with many blessings for you and with great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.